You're all awake now? That'll do it. Thank you, choir. Two texts today on this Transfiguration Sunday. First from First Kings, or Second Kings, excuse me, at the second at the second chapter. The first twelve verses comes this. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me far as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the company of prophets who were in Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. And Elisha said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. And Elijah says, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. And Elijah responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me, I am being taken from you. It will be granted to you. If not, it will not. And they continued walking talking, and a chariot of fire and of horses separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But but when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And then today, from the Gospel of Mark, the Transfiguration story. A strange story, to be sure. Comes to us from the ninth chapter, starting at the second verse. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and they led him up, and, he, and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. 
and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Then suddenly they looked around. They saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Today, as I say, is Transfiguration Sunday, a Sunday when we always look at this text, this text that appears in all three synoptic Gospels. It is a precursor to the Lenten season. We know that if we hear the Transfiguration Sunday in a Protestant church, that Ash Wednesday is coming soon. Usually it's done the Sunday before Ash Wednesday, and that is in case in, in the case today. But what a strange story this is. I mean, often we walk away from this story saying, what, what am I to do with that? So today, here's my assertion. And it's an assertion based solely on the way that Mark presents the transfiguration story. The transfiguration in Mark is addressed to any disciple struggling to see, hear, comprehend, and believe the gospel reality. Now that sounds like it could be us. Who among us has not struggled at some time to see, hear, comprehend, or believe the gospel message? So if the transfiguration story can do that for us, it's worth our attention, I think. To get to this place where we look at at disciples as people who need to know more about Jesus, we must first understand what Mark tells us about disciples. Now understand that the transfiguration story in Mark is smack dab in the middle of 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 the book. That's not a coincidence. Because the first part of Mark spends a lot of time telling us the disciples are buffoons. 
They're fools. They're foolish. They do not understand what Jesus is doing. They follow him around, but they just don't get it. The second half of Mark's gospel, they still don't get it. But Jesus is more intentional about his way to the cross in the second half of Mark's gospel. So it does make sense that Mark would want to show disciples how to see who Jesus really is. We also must understand that in Mark's transfiguration story, it really is a story that's geared toward the disciples themselves. All this white dazzling and Moses and Elijah and clouds of revelation, that stuff happens in all the transfiguration stories. But look at the verbs. Look at the verbs in Mark's version. Peter, James, and John led up a high mountain. Jesus was transfigured before them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses. And then Peter gets scared out of his mind and he doesn't know what to do. So he says, hey, we ought to do something here. This is important. So he stutters around and stumbles around. There was a cloud that overshadowed them. And then from the cloud, they hear the voice. And the voice doesn't just say, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The voice says, this is my beloved son Listen to him. You, disciples, you, fools, you, the blind who cannot see what is before you in Jesus the Christ. Yes, I know that Peter has just confessed that Jesus is the Christ of God in the chapter before. But he don't know what that means. And all of these terms are described in what the disciples see and experience. And what do they see and experience? They see Jesus revealed as both God's beloved son and the one on the way to the cross. See, in order to be a disciple, you got to get it that Jesus is both glorious and suffering. Jesus is both the one served and servant. They see Elijah and Moses. 
And they know what that means. Who were Elijah and Moses but prophets of God, men of the law of God, who had personal experiences with the very glory of God. Both climbed to mountaintops in the midst of suffering in their lives. But both also were the only Older Testament figures that were raised to heaven after their death. Just as Jesus will be. They point the way to the reality that the threat of death no longer dominates human imagination and where God's Son liberates those who follow will follow Jesus' path to the cross. The disciples go up a mountain and see Jesus with the great man of the law and the great prophet. It inspires all those things I just said in them. They're supposed to stop being foolish, stop the misunderstanding, and grasp who Jesus is. We can't be too hard on the disciples. Jesus' identity for most of this time has been hidden to them. But here is the rub for us, I think. Part of the task of discipleship is to discover the previously hidden identity of Jesus. I went to seminary with a guy who the whole time he was there seemed absolutely miserable. He had what we all thought was probably adult onset ADD. He couldn't sit in a chair and get his work done. He didn't want to sit in a chair and get his work done. His papers were always late. They were scattered all over the place. He'd lose pages of stuff before he turned it in. He was a mess. And his spiritual life was a mess. And we all wanted to try to help him do something to make his life a little better. And as we talked about him, one of the things that I discovered about him was the reason he was in seminary was he had had a mountaintop experience with God. He had gone to a more charismatic more contemporary, hand-waving, Holy Spirit-filling experience with God. And believed that he had come to know 
who God really was. It was a pivotal moment in his life. It changed him forever. The previous mystery of Jesus, which he had not understood, had been revealed to him. Here's the thing. He spent all the rest of his life looking for that experience. Trying to recreate it. Trying to once again find a relationship with that God that he had met on the mountaintop. And he lived his life disappointed because he never found it. What did I say a minute ago? It was good. Write it down. Part of the task of discipleship is to discover the previously hidden identity of Jesus. How is Jesus' identity hidden from us? Well, in this case, Jesus is deliberately hiding his identity from his disciples because they know, he knows they cannot grasp it. They cannot grasp a Messiah who will head to the cross. In the case of most of us, though, I think, it's not so much hidden as it is undiscovered. My friend that I talked about discovered the identity of Jesus. And as disciples, that should be part of what we're trying to do. If not discovering for the first time the identity of Jesus, learning more and more and more and more about who Jesus is and how Jesus works in our lives and what Jesus wants for us and how we can live in relationship with him. The disciples, Peter, James, and John, who were with Jesus in the transfiguration, were terrified because of what they saw. Because of what they saw, of what they saw meant to them and to their world. And because they knew they would never be the same again. But they stayed put. They stayed engaged to find that hidden mystery of Jesus, to discover the previously unknown identity of who Jesus is and was and can be. They walk away from that, and Jesus says, Don't tell anybody. Not yet, anyway. 
because Jesus knew they had more growing to do, more discovery to happen, more things to learn about who he was and how he would operate in the world, and then they would be ready to tell the whole story of who Jesus was because they would know him truly and more fully and completely. Transfiguration story in Mark is for us, disciples, to help us figure out who Jesus is and to encourage us to keep moving forward in our relationship with Jesus so that we can truly know him beloved Son of God, the one we are to listen to. Thanks be to God. Amen.